Terry Alaberry is going to be on stage today. You may know him for being longtime drummer of All Oak Guthrie. Super excited about the new collaboration with Outlaw Drums and Jasper Guitar Company. We're doing a custom Outlaw Drum and a custom Jasper Guitar out of some really old Beechwood limited run. Listen out for more info coming up. Today we've got a really special, special guest. Um, Arlo Guffrey, country music legend, his drummer. Um, we're going to have him on the stage and how we've met. And he's just, he's got a lot of stuff to talk about. He loves music. He's got a heart for music. He's been called to be a drummer. A lot, a lot of drummers, you know, it seems like they choose to be a drummer. But when you are called to be a drummer, there's really no, there's, you really don't have no choice in the matter. That's what I love about it. Just want to welcome everybody to the Process Podcast Show. Today I got a very special guest of mine, dear friend of mine, Terry Alaberry is on is on the show today, and he is a yes. <laughs> I surely appreciate you being on the show, brother. Oh, thank you, Michael. It's uh, great to be on the show with you. I'm, I'm honored. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so tell me, man. Um, so tell me your story, brother. So tell me a little bit about yourself, your drumming history. Um, obviously, you know, Olo Guffrey, you played drums for him. And, you know, so tell me a little bit about, about yourself, somebody who don't know who Arlo Guthrie is. Arlo Guthrie is uh, the son of Woody Guthrie, who wrote uh, songs like This Land Is Your Land, uh, things like that. So Arlo comes from a legacy of, folk singers and he uh, got very famous in the 60s for writing a long song called Alice's Restaurant which is about 25 minutes long and was the longest song that uh, the radio stations play <laughs> and it, it's actually it's become a cult classic and it's still played every uh, every Thanksgiving on a lot of uh, radio stations and he also had uh, some hits after that. Uh, he had a hit with a song called City of New Orleans, mm -hmm. which, uh, which he didn't write, uh, and a lot of other people co covered it, but he had the biggest hit with it. And it was written by a guy named Steve Goodman. So he's uh, well known for that. And he just basically, you know, he came up in the 60s as a folk singer, and uh, he picked up our band in 1975 we started touring with him and he bought a bus and uh he he just worked uh solidly um you know not as a superstar but as you know in that kind of layer below uh the big rock bands mm -hmm. and we we played a lot of theaters and uh we used to do Carnegie Hall every year, and he sold out uh, all over the place. And we'd play the festivals, Newport Folk Festival and uh, New Orleans Jazz Festival. And uh, so for people who know who he is, uh, he was a big deal. Yeah. 
I, I'm gonna tell you, man. People, it's like I've, I've been listening to a lot of his music, and man, people love him. Some of the live concerts, he gets so um, he connects to his audience with somebody I've never seen before. Just really big in family and community, you know, really big in that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And and that's the kind of person that he is too. Uh, he retired during COVID, like about a year and a half ago. He just decided that um, it was going to be too hard to pull everything together again coming out of COVID because our audience is, uh, you know, older, uh, you know, coming out of the 60s and everything. And he'd had a a couple of little health issues and he just figured it was time to say that's enough. But uh, he's really happy in his retirement I see him every now and then, and he keeps sending me texts, and he got remarried, and uh, he's just enjoying uh, now not being on the road. I I was on the road with him for 45 years. Oh, my gosh. 45 years? And, and, uh, you know, he and I were both shocked when we figured that out. (laughs) (laughs) But so... Uh, so even though we don't go on the road anymore, I feel like I, I was super blessed to to have that opportunity and to get to play. You know, we went all over the world, so it, it was it was awesome. Yeah, that, I bet you got some stories, man. I bet you got some stories. How do I? Well, probably a few. <laughs> so <laughs> and a few I can't remember. <laughs> So I see, man, you're still playing drums, man. You're still playing drums and doing the thing, right? Absolutely. I'm, I'm playing my outlaw drums. Yay. <laughs> which I got in 19, uh, in 2015. Mm-hmm. We were going to do a PBS television special, and somebody on our crew saw your uh, your drums on, on the internet somewhere, I I forget how it all transpired, but uh, you set up this incredible set, and we used them on the TV show, and I fell in love with them, and I, I can't I can't be without them now, and uh, so I'm <laughs> so glad that we worked it out that I could uh, keep playing them, and I'm so proud every time I pull them out and every time I play them anywhere. I have to tell everybody the whole story about how they're made from recycled wood and uh, they're made barrel style. It's a different, yep. whole different process for people who don't know about making drums. And I just think they have the most warm sound of any drums that I ever came across. And I, I just love them. So it, it was uh, just a miracle coincidence that... Uh, we got thrown together, and uh, and I'm playing them today, brother. That is so awesome too. And not to mention this, and we'll talk about this. Um, you know how you got you, the the picture of you sitting at your outlaw drum kit on the back of your book, uh, just a Brashire kid. I mean that right there. I was so honored by that, man. Oh my gosh, thank you. Oh well, I'm glad that's that's Carnegie Hall. Oh my gosh! Yeah, man, it just uh, that 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 really just warms me up, man. And I'm that you know that, that all that wood, man. It was so hard to get because I was at that time, you know, I was doing a lot of bartering back and forth with people, and and I come across this 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 uh, 
this guy that had a, they were remodeling this gymnasium over in Thomasville, Georgia. And it was the, um, oh man, I can't remember the name of that gymnasium. It what the name of it was. It'll come to me in the middle of the night sometime, but <laughs> it would, uh, <laughs> but basically I, I built them like this big gigantic barn table in exchange for letting me have and he said I can just have all that old Douglas fir wood that was the bleacher boards and you know this wood has been like seasoned and sitting just resonating and people sitting there stomping their feet on it you know for all them years and it's just and what I found out man that Douglas fir wood is just so uh, it's it's very resonant and it's strong you know and man it just really worked out we built a bunch of kits and we've had people want me to build some more kits out of that but we don't have no more of it you can't get it no more it's, you can't <laughs> you can't you can't do it well i i think it's just uh one of the most magical aspects of this is i also play music for children that that's uh, been a love of my life for like the last 40 years yeah and when, when I wasn't touring with Arlo, I was doing concert for kids, and uh, I have seven CDs out, and, uh, you know, I, I like playing music for children. And the fact that this drum set came out of high school bleachers is just the most perfect thing that could possibly happen for me. And... and uh, Wow. So it, it just makes it uh, that, that much more magical. Wow, man. Oh, wow. Thank you, man. Oh, <laughs> that's super cool, man. Wow. Yes, yes. Yeah. So you're talking about your love for music, man. Um, you've got a deep-seated love for music and teaching children about music and, 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 and just how music just heals it. It nourishes, it heals, it just does amazing things to us, man. And, you know it's a huge part you think that's a big thing a big thing oh it's an incredible thing and it and it's it's something that we owe to the to the kids because i feel like uh you know i i sound old when i say this but but the music that kids hear these days they don't get to hear much that's traditional that's played on real instruments yep, yep. made out of real wood yep. and um y you know there's too much of the hit music that's just synthetic yeah. it's just stuff that somebody sits in a studio and punches buttons and puts random notes together yep and so i like bringing uh, traditional music to kids it can be now, when I say traditional, I think the Beatles are traditional. I think, you know, rock and roll is traditional. Um, it, it, it doesn't have to be folk music or uh, Americana or anything. Anything can be a traditional folk music that we should pass along. The difference to me is that I like it if it's made by real people and sung by real singers who actually can sing <laughs> yeah. yeah it's amazing what they do on the computers now and it's almost kind of like it's just crazy how yeah and just kind of we just need to keep our kids inspired and keep them pushing forward because i got six total kids you know and wow. i'm i'm constantly pushing music to them and i'm hearing a lot of the music too that they're that their generation is hearing you know and it's like you said it's definitely sad it is definitely 
sad and you can see where it's going you can you can see where it's going it's you know like i said all those songs and the songs that you do man it's just like they got heart they got soul man they got meaning and you know and you just don't see you just don't hear that very often well that's what i learned from arlo and from playing with his family and i'm still doing concerts even though arlo's not touring uh i just did a weekend of concerts with uh three of his kids and one of his grandkids wow and uh we did uh two nights down at his church here in Housatonic and packed the place and they're carrying on the tradition and they've got their own songs and uh you know their own music but it's still steeped in in the tradition kind of and uh so i love playing with them because it, it's it's carrying it on and like you say uh, you know it can't be there can't be more important thing for kids especially with the world that we've kind of really screwed up for them um hmm. I, I i feel that uh everything that we can do to bring music and kindness to kids and uh get them talking to each other and relating to each other that's the that's the biggest thing that we can do to to help the planet in the future yeah you're absolutely right and i feel like that's kind of why you started writing a lot of these books right the children books and songs and stuff yeah yeah I, you I, felt that calling I had to. yeah it wasn't a choice that's right man it's, it's a just, calling yeah it's just what what you need to do but the nice thing is the kids that i go play with i i have a concert tomorrow i'll have 200 kids outside a library because it's going to be a beautiful day they come every week they come with their parents they sit on blankets and those kids they're the same as the kids were 20 or 30 years ago yeah they they love it just as much they have they if you let kids have a chance to be kids then it's it's all good you know and i just love seeing their happy faces and i love singing songs for them that they're not going to hear on the radio and it does come around because i'll be in the grocery store and i'll be checking out my groceries and the girl who's uh you know ringing me up she'll every now and then like somebody will look at me and say hey are you terry Oliberry?" and i'll say yeah yeah and and she'll say you know, when I was seven, I used to come hear you, and I used to love to be a good fairy, and, and uh, I, those, those years were really important to me, and I loved hearing the music. And that's, that's the payoff for me, that, <laughs> that, that it is passing it on. Yeah. And I have people that come to my show tomorrow who are bringing their kids, and they came to see me when they were kids. So... It is like a tradition kind of thing, and uh, and I love that. Yeah, man. Oh my gosh, that is that is really cool, man. That's that's. And I love how you said, man. It was a you didn't have a choice in the matter. That was, and I think a lot of people. It's almost sounded like when they choose to do something like that, man. It's they're, they're called, and man, it just it puts the whole difference in, you know. It, it, that's that's what we all ought to do is being kind of being able to listen to that that calling man and, and putting forth the effort and doing it you know 
making the difference, well, that's, and that's that's it. Yeah, man. That's obviously what you do. You, you know, you probably could have made a, a zillion dollars going and working for some big music company, you know, and, and building their instruments, but instead you chose to do it your own way. Yep. And that and that's what makes it special, and that's why it's, you know, that's why it's it it's worth it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely feels good, man. It definitely feels good. So, what are you gonna be playing when you when you, when you do your show? What what, you, what what kind of kit are you gonna be playing on? Well, to tell you the truth, tomorrow uh, when I do my kit shows, I do not play a kit at all. <laughs> I, I have a, a pair of um, mini congas, mm-hmm. LP mini congas that I set up and I have two women that play with me. One plays guitar and one plays bass. And I really run around with a, um, with a wireless microphone and I just chase those 200 kids all over the field and I try and get them singing. (laughs) They're the show. It's not our show. We just kind of try and act as a catalyst to, to let them, kind of explode and so we do you know we start off with simple things that they know like coming around the mountain or you are my sunshine and i run out there with the microphone and i say hey, is there anybody brave that'll come up and sing you are my sunshine and usually there'll be one or two kids will come up and start it and then before you know it there's 50 kids hanging around <laughs> we just sing songs together and we jump around together, you know, we do some really crazy, just stupid, fun stuff. <laughs> and uh, so I barely play. I, You know, there's a couple of songs, I'll go back and I'll uh, play on the Congress, but I'd rather make it be their show, and I'm just out there doing it. Yeah. And so and that's, that's when I do my own children's shows, That that's what I do. But the other thing that I do is I uh, I worked out a partnership with a, a guy who's actually a square dance caller of all things, and he's been a square dance caller for like fifty years. A square dance caller, what? And he's really good at it. But he also knows all these other folk dances, you know, from uh, that are American folk dances from the South and and from. You know the Appalachians and every everywhere else. You know Virginia Real and stuff like that. And so he and I put together a program for schools, where we go into schools, and we it's a combination of music and movement. And I do some of my songs, and I bring a, a small drum kit, and uh, he has a bunch of recorded music of various. Uh, things and we combine like live music and live singing with uh, with some tracks for the dances and we're trying to bring that part of uh, Americana to kids in schools because they don't get that anymore either yeah and the the other thing is they've been sitting around for two years you know because <laughs> of covid not getting active only looking at stuff on video and that's not healthy and not interacting with each other 
So we're going in to schools and we're going to plan to do it all this winter, as many schools as we can possibly uh, go to. And we just go in and we have a good time with them, but we also uh, show them some music and some uh, dances and stuff that that they're never going to encounter anywhere else. Yeah, I wish they did something like that around here. Oh, my gosh, I wish you were closer, man. Oh, wow. Yeah, me too. Me too. We'd love to come down there. Yes, yes. Because you talk about a lot about this in your book, Just a Brashire Kid. Yep. Yeah, I will, yeah, I didn't, um, yeah, that's really cool, man. And then you got everything kind of listed. You got all your, uh, all your stuff listed there too, of all, all the places and, I mean, all the, all your books and all the different audio stuff that you got and how people can find it and everything like that too. Yeah, I, I just, uh, during COVID, I wrote the, the first book and then, then the next winter I wrote the second book just out of, you know, frustration. And also I wanted to kind of, you know, remember all these memories and stuff while I still could. Yeah. <laughs> and write them down and, uh, you know, for, for whatever it's worth. It yeah. was, uh, it, it was something to feel prosperous and like I was getting something done. Man, this is really cool, man. Yeah. I, I'm such a, I'm such a fan too. And, you know, I love, I love, I love, I love to kind of, I love to see that. We definitely have to get together, man, and and um, you know, when things kind of work out and things kind of calm yeah, down a little bit. Yeah, for sure. You know, we have a lot of music happening up here, and there's a lot of, you know, diverse music with a lot of different drums and uh, drum circles and uh, um, you know everything else. And I still play. You know, I play out with my outlaw drums uh, <laughs> as often as I can. Um, but it, it's just, uh, it, you know, I don't play in any set bands. You know, we have our various square dance bands and people call me up and I record every now and then. And, oh, and boy, I got to tell you, they record great, those drums. And uh, I, I love them in the studio and everybody does too. Yeah, thank you so much, man, for that, brother. Heck yeah. So I'll ask you a question, man. What what kind of keeps yeah. you what kind of keeps you motivated, man? What kind of keeps you grinding as hard as you do, man? Because I mean, that's tough. Well, I wish I had an answer for that. I, when it comes to the kid stuff, you know, I can be tired and and I can you know have a day where like everything's kind of going wrong and I. I don't know, you know, if I'm going to make rent or that month or something, and yeah. all this stuff will be on my head, and I'll go to, like, tomorrow, my my concert at 11 o'clock in the morning, and I'll set up, and I'll do the hour, and at the end of the hour, like, my whole world has changed. Everything looks great. All that's gone away because the kids just motivate you so much. The energy that I get from them is incredible. Hmm. And I, it just, uh, it just makes my day. Yeah, so man. I look forward to all those days, you know, every day that, uh, that we have a gig and see up here, we're really limited because of the weather. Uh, we have a short summer 
you know, we get part of June, July, and August, and September, and that's, uh, and by the end of September, it's, it's over. And you can't do outdoor things anymore. And with COVID, there's not as much going on indoors. People are, are still worried about doing stuff. So, you know, when we can do it, I'll do it every day. If I can find something that somewhere where there's a bunch of kids and they'll let me sing to them, I'll just go go out and do it. Yeah. And then because I know when, it, when January rolls around, I'm just going to be sitting in three feet of snow and wishing that I could. I mean, just I mean, like you said, man, to, see, to to make a difference in one of those kids' lives is all the difference, you know. To have one of those, just one of those kids, be like, you know what? I remember, the, I remember when I was young and I saw this guy play, and it just inspired me so much. And to continue that on, you, I mean, just you're constantly planting seeds, and I love it. Oh my gosh, I love it. Well, I I feel so lucky. Because I've had over the years a lot of parents come up to me and say, you know what, my kid, my my six-year-old started playing drums because of you. Mm. And uh, now he's 18 and he's in music school, you know. And uh, he, he got that because he started with you. And, and that makes my day. I mean, I just get so excited um, when I hear stuff like that. <laughs> so I got I was going to ask you about this. So the time that you played at the White House, yeah, <laughs> can you tell me what was it like playing at the White House? Oh my gosh! Oh, it's crazy. Now <laughs> we did it uh, three years in a row, and it was for the um, the annual Easter egg roll that they do, where they bring thirty thousand kids onto the White House lawn. If you can imagine that whoa it's a, it's, a, it's just a nightmare for the secret service you know, they go crazy but we did it, it it was a while ago it was when the uh when bill clinton was the president and uh so it was before 9 11 and and before all this other horrible stuff happened so they were a little more relaxed but it was incredible there'd be a main stage that we played on and we would share that stage with like three or four other acts. Like one year it was Art Garfunkel and his family band. And, uh, you know, we'd, they'd have all these celebrities who weren't actually performing, but they were meeting all the kids, like the guys from NSYNC and um, uh, J.K. Rowling, who wrote the Harry Potter books. and. It was a cool event to be a part of, but it's a logistical nightmare because, they, you know, they have to take such precautions. So we'd have to get there at eight o'clock in the morning and they, you know, let us bring our equipment in. They check it all over. We'd set up and we'd just do shows. We'd alternate with the other bands from like uh, 11 in the morning till five in the afternoon. So it was a, a long day. But uh, but we loved doing it. It was it was really cool to be at the White House, you know. The White House, like needing something to needing more to drink than just water, right? <laughs> yeah. And we actually went there once. Uh, I think it was be- yeah, it was before that when Jimmy Carter was the president, 
His son was a big Arlo Guthrie fan, Chip Carter. And he invited us to the White House on a weekend uh, when actually the president was out of the White House. So again, it was pretty relaxed. And they gave us a private tour of the White House. We got to go in the Oval Office and we got to sit at the president's desk. And uh, I left a little note in the cabinet room. I, I sat at the president's desk and there was a little notepad there. You know, and I flipped up about five pages, five blank pages, and I just wrote down, hey, this is the band Shenandoah, and we could really use a record contract if you could help us out. (laughs) And then I flipped the the pages down so that I was hoping that nobody would notice that it had been written in and that he would just flip the pages and find it. I have no idea. (laughs) But it was cool going to the White House and being a guest there and whatnot. Oh my gosh, I could not imagine, man. That is that is really really cool, man. Um So, what's it like, man? I mean, you and I've just like you've like you've done with performed with so many other artists, man, too. It's like John Denver. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was the great thing about playing with Arlo is uh so many other artists really liked him uh and respected him so they would show up at our gigs like john denver just just showed up we didn't know he was coming he just walked backstage and the same night we were doing two shows that night he came to the first show and second show willie nelson walks in (laughs) and so so both of them would come up at the end of the show and sing sing a few songs with us and uh you know and we then we did tours Uh, At various times, like we toured with John Prine quite a bit uh, for several years, and he was phenomenal. I mean, if you if you know that guy's music at all, he's just written some great, great songs. And we loved being on tour with him. And what they would do is he would open the show one night and then Arlo would open the show for him the next night. Mm. And they just go back and forth. Oh, man. That is that is really really cool, and the 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 most fun the the biggest thrill for me, which I put in one of my books, but I'll I'll tell it to you anyway. Was we were doing a big benefit up here, um, over in in New York State, uh, near where they have the the baseball Hall of Fame, at Cooperstown in a big, huge field, and, and there were thousands and thousands of people. And it was us and Levon Helm. And this was maybe just a few months before Levon passed. And he was very sick with cancer, you know, and uh, he could barely talk, and he tried not to talk, but he would still go out and, and sing, you know, as many of his, you know, big hit songs as he could. And we went on first, and we did our show, and they all watched from backstage. And then he went up to do his show. And what he had was he had this uh, beautiful red drum set on the side of the stage. And then he had another matching red drum set right next to it, just back a little bit. And that was for his daughter, uh, who in those days would come up and sometimes 
play drums for him so that he could go out front and just be the lead singer. And so they had the two drum kits, but she wasn't there that night. But they had the kits set up anyway. So anyway, he plays his show, which was phenomenal. He had like a 10-piece band, and, and they played mm. up on Cripple Creek and, and just all the songs from the band that you would want to hear. And they came off, and of course, he was going back on for an encore. And uh, Arlo went out to do his encore with him because it was prearranged. And so they walked out. And then I was standing on the side of the stage, and he turned to me, and he held up a pair of drumsticks, and he pointed at the other drum set. And just motion, come on, come on, you play these. And so I went out, and uh, the song that he had saved for the very last song was a song called The Wait. And it's this iconic song that the band did, and just like his biggest hit. And it was so great. I got to play it with him, and he kept smiling at me. And at the end of every verse, there's like this drum fill thing. And he would look at me and, and we'd swap hits back and forth and stuff. And it was just one of the high points of my life. Cause that, that guy was phenomenal. He was a great drummer and he wrote so many of those great songs, you know, and uh, to get to play with him, uh, it, it was one of the high points of my life. Wow, man, that is super super awesome oh my gosh oh my gosh that is super super awesome so, but you and you and arlo y'all wrote some songs together didn't you i wrote one song with, with him it, it's called oh mom it's about kids growing up with a mother that that grew up in the 60s <laughs> how was that like man uh well i didn't actually have that experience i just wrote it you know, I wrote it for him because I thought it'd be funny, you know, <laughs> you know, kids being forced to eat granola, and, uh, you know, hippie trippy life, yeah. you know, when they just wanted it to be normal. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he recorded it. It's on one of his albums. And, uh, for a whole bunch of years, that, that was a very popular song for us in our live shows. People would say, you gotta play all mom. <laughs> So that made me feel good. I just wrote the words, and he he put the music to it. Oh, that is that is really cool. That is really cool. Do you think Arlo is just gonna is gonna snap out of it and be like, "Hey, man, let's do this. I'm ready to do it one more time, brother." <laughs> uh, if I had a vote, I I would vote for it. But I I just uh, you know I'm going along expecting that it's not going to happen and secretly just wishing, wishing, wishing that, yeah. that it would. <laughs> then what's that um, music's in your blood, man? Oh my, it's hard to stop, isn't it? It is hard to stop. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we have friends who have uh, tried to call it quits and uh, it just didn't happen. You know, one of Arlo's best friends and the, the person we played with the most over the years was a folk singer named Pete Seeger. And uh, Pete wrote, uh, you know, Where Have All the Flowers Gone and Turn, Turn, Turn. Uh, a whole whole mess of great songs. And he lived to be 96. And when he was 96, we were playing Carnegie Hall and he came on two crutches 
and he did the whole three-hour show with us. And he uh, he couldn't sing for, you know, he didn't have chest power, but he could sing a little bit, and he couldn't play the guitar like he used to, and nobody cared. That place went bananas. Wow. And they stood up, and they screamed, and we did three encores, and uh, it was just about two months before he died. And um, he never gave up, even though he knew he was compromised as to, you know, his performing quality, but the people still, you know, he, he was still, he was like a, a, the, the dog in the firehouse. Yeah. You know, he heard the bell <laughs> and he's just going to answer the call. <laughs> and so I'm hoping that, that, you know, maybe Arlo will take a break and, uh, you know, he'll go, hey, I got to get out there and do this. Yeah. <laughs> it's too much fun. Yeah. <laughs> I love it when you... I'm not, not going to expect it. I'm just, just be really happy if it happens. Yeah. I love it when you said, man, you said in your book, you said that you will retire when you fall off the back of your drum seat. Well, yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. the truth, man. That's how, kind of, that's how you know you're a true drummer, man. True drummers can't just stop playing the drums. You know, that's like... You're not a true drummer if you just give up and just stop playing because you just ain't doing it for you no more or you're not with a band. Oh my gosh, I'm always going to be playing the drums, you know? Well, it's been the only way that I've ever made my living since I was 13 years old is playing drums. That's the only thing people would pay me for. So, and, uh, you know, drummers don't really get retirement plans <laughs> or at least ones like me that weren't smart enough to put anything away so, <laughs> you know so i'm perfectly happy with the fact that i have to keep working yeah. it, it's uh i don't need to sit back and and try and make a choice hey do i really want to play the next year yes i have to i want to i love it um so you know knock me off the back of the drums if, if you can that's 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 the only way you're going to get me off. <laughs> you are such an inspiration, man. Oh, my gosh. I love talking to you. That is so cool. Oh, well, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, man. This is this has been really, really cool, man. One more thing. So, Alice's Restaurant Tour. Yeah. So, people that don't know about that, can you kind of elaborate on what that is? Well, it lasted... We ended up sort of stretching it over about three or four years. Um, 19, uh, I mean, 2015 was the 50th anniversary of him writing the song Alice's Restaurant, which was a huge hit. It was made into a movie. Um, the movie, you can Google the movie and, and find it. And uh, so the story of his life was kind of done 50 years um, before that. And so, uh, we planned this, this big tour to celebrate the 50th anniversary. And we had a video wall and I got my outlaw drums and, mm. uh, we just did the whole country. And then, uh, it was so successful that, uh, we just, we kept celebrating anniversaries after that, you know, it was the, the anniversary of the gold record and the anniversary of the movie coming out. And so for about four years, we did, uh, we celebrated uh, Alice's restaurant and uh, we 
we were so fortunate that uh, he picked uh, the Alice's restaurant, uh, I think it was 2018 or something, uh, to be the last Carnegie Hall show he was going to do. He did 50 years at Carnegie Hall, and he decided that was enough, and we, and we did the last show, and it was an Alice's restaurant show, and it sold out, and it was just fantastic. And the crew was all crying. You know, the people who work at Carnegie Hall are all crying because it's the last one, and we're all crying, and we took pictures with all the crew on stage after the show and drank champagne, and uh, uh, it was a big deal. So that, that was sort of the official end of the Alice's Restaurant uh, um, celebration. But then we took it to Australia, and... Uh, we had a great tour of Australia and we played this big, huge outdoor festival called the uh, um, Something Blues Festival that they do every year. And it's, it's hundreds of thousands of people and it's out on the ocean and uh, we played two nights there and um, and that was also part of the Alice's Restaurant thing. And, and then, of course, we had to stop in Honolulu on the way back and do a show there. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we just had to and so we stayed a few days and, and that was great but that was the Alice's Restaurant celebration, it celebrated the gold record the movie um, the song which I swear to God you will find people that every Thanksgiving they listen to that, that record uh, that 26 minute uh, kind of song story <laughs> Because you do a lot of your YouTube stuff, too. You got a YouTube blog that you talk about a lot of this stuff kind of more in depth, don't you? I did. I did. I I, I did uh, 50 blogs while we were doing the Alice's Restaurant Tour. And some of them are better than others. But, uh, you know, what I didn't do is I couldn't use parts of the show because we didn't want to give it away. So it's all backstage stuff and talking to... Uh, you know, friends backstage at some of the incredible places we got to visit you know, over the course of years. Because we went in all states and lots of foreign countries, and it was such an incredible journey that, that we got to go on and meet so many people. That was the nice thing about Arlo is he's so accessible and so friendly that we would meet so many people when we were on tour. You know, it wasn't like these big bands that just hide out and then they run to their hotel and stuff. And, uh, you know, maybe you get an autograph if you're lucky. Yeah. You know, you know, we just loved being a part of it. That That's why we traveled by buses. You know, we'd fly when we had to, like to Australia. <laughs> but the rest of the time he had two buses uh, one for him and his immediate people, and then one for us, for the band. And that's the way to see the country. I mean, we just went, I mean, we saw too many truck stops, but we also, you know, we'd take a day, go to the Grand Canyon, you know, we'd go uh, wherever we wanted to go. And, and we really saw the country, and we really felt the country. And you'd feel the different places that you went. You know, the first time we were in Atlanta, down by you, we played the beautiful Fox Theater, which is just incredible and mm. has stars in the ceiling and stuff. And 
Um, so it, it, it was, I, I just, I could go on and on because it, it's, it was just such a blessing. We, we thought we were so lucky to have that experience and to experience it with an artist like Arlo, who was always worried about the quality. He never phoned it in. He never canceled the show because he was sick. He just, he was the ultimate showman. Yeah. Um, and a great person to be around. And I, how else could I stand it for 45 yeah. years to go running around the country in a bus? You know, it's it, crazy. He's definitely a legend, man. A legend. A legend. Yeah, good for stuff. sure. It's good stuff, man. Well, brother, man, um, I, I want to thank you so much, man, for uh, enlightening me with all this good stuff, man. This is really good. I, I can't wait to talk to you again, man. And, uh, and uh and, and hang out some i know we've kind of just talked over the phone and we really hung out but man when we're in the area if i'm ever, if you're ever clo even close to the south georgia man you got to come see me all right it it is it's a promise <laughs> i got a place for you and everything bro and we'll okay. we'll put together how i got my kids too I, that's how i'll get you here i'm gonna I'll, I'll lure you in with our kids and be like hey okay <laughs> we got a bunch it's of them <laughs> I'll drive them crazy. I'll, I'll make them sing songs they hate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother. Terry, thank you so much, man, for being on this show, man, and um, enlightening with all this good stuff, man. You're just amazing. It is my pleasure. My pleasure. And I'm so glad that we got to know each other through this crazy drum life. And uh, I will keep... Uh, Keep beating on those uh, outlaw drums until somebody knocks me off the stool. <laughs> I love it, brother. I love it. Thank you so much, Terry. You bet. Take right. care. Take care. We'll see you. Yep. Bye-bye. Just want to say thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Process. And I just want to say thank you so much for our Patreons over there. You guys rock. And also, we got some really cool things going with Jasper Guitar Company. Now, Jasper Guitar makes extremely, extremely super quality instruments. They build custom, um, they build guitars, electric guitars, uh, limited. There's only going to be just a couple of these at an old beechwood. And this old beechwood is so heavy, so dense and hard. Um, this body on this guitar was carved out, and even with it, with it carved out so much material, it still has some weight to it. So I'm just very curious and extremely excited about the tones. Also, we're getting ready to launch our new website where we're actually doing the, we're grabbing the audio files from the actual snare drum, and we have low, medium, high tuning. And we're putting into like a bundle pack. So we're talking to a lot of producers and stuff like that now. And a lot of times they just want to soup up and just kind of get a little, little realness kind of going to their, to their snap, you know, on their recording. They need just a little bit more attack. You know, it's pretty nice to have those extra snare sounds in your arsenal, you know, so that you can just grab and just kind of throw onto your track and just really dial in the sound that you're after. You know, this way too, um, drummers don't have to be able to pay thousands of dollars for an outlaw drum. They can just get that snap, that sound that they're after, you know, to throw on top of their pre-existing snare that they have. Till next time, thank you so much for listening to this complete episode. 
I love you and I wish the well for you.